Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the showcase, guys. I'm your host, Paris Jackson. Got a short episode for you today. We're we're fresh into the season, only a couple days. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you my Western Conference rankings. Last week, I gave you the East, so it's time for the West. And I'm going to wrap up with what I found out about mental health um, through the findings. And the last week, we talked about um, some different things surrounding mental health. So I want to give you that. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Guys, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, guys. So I want to jump right into the Western Conference rankings. I think uh, last time I gave you guys my, my Eastern Conference rankings, and those pretty much have stayed where I expected them to. But surprisingly, after watching the first few days of the Western Conference, I actually have some different ideas on where everybody ranks. So um, just to, for starters, I think the Clippers have well and above become the number one overall um, power ranked team across the whole NBA, let alone the Western Conference, given what they've showed against the Lakers and the Warriors. <clears throat> I mean, just if you take last night, they were shooting at a 62% clip overall and 54% from deep. Like if they're going to be doing that for a majority of the season without Paul George, uh, you know, who knows where they're going to go once, once Paul George actually comes back. So I think they're the clear number one choice. I think there's a lot more parity between uh, seeds like two through six. This is where you start to get your, you know, um, the Lakers, Rockets, Utah, Denver, Blazers, Warriors, pretty much in that order. I mean, I was pretty high on the hopes of the Warriors, but then the news came out that Clay Thompson isn't going to be playing this year um, or a, a majority of the year, even though he did come on, you know, TNT's little program last night to say that he is eyeing a return for after All-Star break. I think to get him acclimated with this amount of new players uh, it's going to be a challenge and going to take some time. So I don't know if he's going to be ready by the end of the year, but you know, fingers crossed that he is. But other than that, I think the, the, the rankings are pretty solid in that, you know, the Clippers are far and away the favorite currently. Um, after that, <clears throat> you know, the Nuggets look really good. I, I, I really like what they've put together around Joker. And, um, you know, I assume that they're going to do the same thing as last year, just be really high seed without uh, making a super deep run in the playoffs. I think some teams in the West got worse and some got better. I mean, last year they went to a game seven with the Blazers and just lost basically by a hair. Um, and in potentially what could have been a really deep playoff run, who knows what would have happened if they would have played the late, uh, the Warriors in the Western Conference final. So I think that's there. After that, you know, you have those other teams that I mentioned, like the Jazz and the Lakers and the Rockets. Um, you know, after watching one game where the Rockets were played the Bucks, you know, I, I really liked, uh, you know, the Capella, Russ combination as well as the Harden Russ combination and you know the Rockets are playing with like a little bit of chip on their shoulder at, at least everybody minus Russell Westbrook as far as how deep they really can go in the playoffs or how deep they have been going the last few years just to be like shot down by the Warriors every every single year for the most part um, just from due to some poor playoff performances at the very end but I think that you know, the Rockets with what they put around James Harden and, and the likes of uh, P.J. Tucker and um, Gordon and, and Capella and, you know, some other key role players for them uh, are, are 
poised to make a deep run in the playoffs. And then you add Russell Westbrook's triple doubles to Harden scoring and, and you got something that's really real. But what, what became more apparent to me in that loss to the Bucks on Wednesday was that, you know, this, this could go the other way and become like one of those Russell Westbrook teams where it's just hero ball. And, you know, Russell Westbrook's pay, taking 18 foot jumpers instead of finding like the next shot. Uh, you know, uh, who pointed this out the other day? One, one of the announcers on TNT, I believe it was Kenny, Kenny Smith pointed out that, you know, like the shot clock still had like 18, 19 seconds on it for like a good chunk of the possessions that the Rockets had. And that could be actually detrimental to the team because they're playing at a fast pace, but they're not scoring any buckets. It leaves the other team open to go on the other end and, and score buckets and take control of the game, which is exactly what Milwaukee did on Wednesday if you were watching the game. Um, so that does worry me. I, I want them to kind of figure it out. Once you get past that next that chunk of teams, then it's kind of like who's fighting for that eighth seed spot. That's where you get the Mavs, the Timberwolves, the Thunder, and the Pelicans. Those would be my next four and, I guess, would be the pop, proper word for it. Um, you know, Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis, they're, they're going to be a good duo. I just don't know how many games they're going to win. I think, uh, you know, the pieces around them haven't really gotten enough credit in that, you know, they added Seth Curry, who's a really good shooter, but perhaps could be better on defense. So we really don't know what's going to go on with them. The Timberwolves, I'm hesitant to really say they're they're fighting for that eighth spot seed. But if Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins can really pull it together and avoid injury, they'll definitely be in the running for that eighth eighth seed. Same as the Thunder. I mean, I I thought, you know, Steven Adams would have like an all-star type of year coming in and, you know, with Shea Gildress Alexander and Gallinari on the team who could hit some shots and, and you know, getting the ball from Chris Paul. Um, you know, the Thunder can't be exactly crossed off. I mean, they would definitely be a playoff team in the East. Um, but with the West being as stacked as it is, who knows? And then my last few teams that are kind of question marks. Oh, of course, I got to talk about the Pelicans real quick because, you know, they're my boys. I think uh, the Zion in- injury did kind of affect how far I think they're going to go. And just just to talk about Zion for a second, I know I talked about him last week when I did the rookie report, but just to go off on a different tangent for him, I think that, like, his body is not meant to do what it's been doing. I mean, he's massive in a sense that, like, he's the second heaviest player in the NBA after Boban. I mean, this has been said by enough media people that I'm not really going to drive this point home. But I think that while he's a guy that can definitely get you 22, 23, 29 per game when he's healthy, like the fact that he got injured in high school, he got injured in college, he got injured in summer league, and now he got injured in preseason. Like he is due for another injury this year, and the Pelicans are going to have to figure out how to win without him. And then as soon as he's healthy in you know a month and a half, they're also going to have to figure out how to win with him. So I was a lot higher on the Pelicans coming in. My boy, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, got some good good minutes at the beginning of that game uh, against the Raptors that went to overtime on Tuesday. But, you know, he ended, ended the night 1 of 10. Uh, that can't happen if, uh, you know, this, this team is going to go on, on a, any kind of run, let alone try and make uh, a deep run in the playoffs. But I'm still, like – high on the Pelicans in the sense that if they can figure it out, if Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram 
and Josh Reddick and Josh Hart can all play at a very high level. I think that they will definitely be in competition with the Timberwolves and the Mavericks and the Thunder for that last eighth seed spot. Oh, and the Spurs. The Spurs can never be really counted out. I, I really like DeJounte Murray. I think that he's a solid point guard, way better than Patty Mills. And then DeMar DeRozan and Marcus Aldridge will do their parts to make sure that the team is winning enough games to go ahead and, and advance. I mean, um, they didn't lose this week, but, you know, they also played the Knicks in a, in a very close game, which is a little concerning given that the Knicks don't really have any, like, big star players. Um, I mean, they're playing R.J. Barrett like 38 minutes in the regular in the regular season, let alone it's only one game. And I get it. But still, they're they're playing in at a very, very, you know, high usage rate early. And the Spurs struggled to beat them, even though they finally did end up putting away the game in the end. Um, Last couple teams kind of making up the bottom here uh, of the Western Conference. You have the Suns, the Kings and the Grizzlies. I don't think the Suns are actually as bad as a lot of people think they are. I mean, they, they put together some nice pieces with Ricky Rubio and DeAndre Ayton. Um, you know, and uh, DeAndre Ayton, the story came out about him testing positive for a diuretic and a little bit, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But, you know, if he is able to overturn that um, with the defense that Ricky Rubio and the experience brings to the table, I think that they are going to be able to win some more games along with, you know, match that with Devin Booker scoring somebody to actually help him create the shot so he isn't like a good stats on a bad team type of guy that is you know scoring 70 but in a loss like we, we can't really have that so I'm, I'm not completely writing the suns off though i do think a lot of the teams are way better in the west um than the suns are and then the kings in the preseason i was a little bit higher on them i thought they were going to get kyle guy more involved i thought that you know buddy healed and De'Aaron fox would you know, blossom into a really nice backcourt along with Harrison Barnes' experience and and size and, and, you know, having been to the playoffs and his veteran leadership. But, um, you know, then the contract stuff came out and and they gave Deadman some crazy contract. And then, you know, Buddy Heald wanted more money. And, and you can just tell that the team chemistry really, I don't think, is there for them to make any type of playoff push. So I'm I'm kind of counting the Kings out. And then the the last team is the Grizzlies, who are kind of just a question mark. Uh, don't know which way that's going to go. I, I am high on Job Morant. I think he's in the running uh, to win Rookie of the Year, especially if Zion kind of you know stays with these injury problems and doesn't doesn't play a lot. But uh, you know, between all these teams, I think that uh, the Grizzlies are the biggest question mark, just because they have a, a lot of young talent and a lot of new pieces. We don't really know how that's going to fit. Um, and how many games they can really win while, while being in this tough, tough Western Conference. So um, that's my thoughts on, on everybody. One team I didn't really talk about too much was the Blazers. The jury, I think, is still out for them. They played a tough game on Wednesday that was really interesting. Came down to the wire, ended, ended up getting, uh, getting that W there. Or getting, sorry, they lost, excuse me. Um, but uh, it was a really close game. It was interesting to watch. I thought Lillard played really well. C.J. McCollum kind of disappeared for a majority of the game, which was weird. Um, probably, well, I'd like to see him get a little bit more involved. I know the sophomore, Anthony Simons, is, is really popular amongst a lot of sports pundits. But, um, you know, the jury's still out. I don't know where they're going to finish. Um, but, you know, I did want to touch on them before I moved on. So that's it, guys. That's my Western 
conference rankings. Of course, this will change. I'll probably do this again once we get a lot more games under our belt. I mean, for the majority of these teams, they've only played one game, aside from the Clippers, who have played two. Uh, two two really good games from L.A. that I, I can't really speak enough about um, the, what the Clippers are doing right. And I said this, you know, in the preseason where, you know, they had that eight seed spot with some pretty much no-name no guys and then went ahead and added some really good pieces um, to go ahead and, and, and bolster what they already had. And I think it's just a really good ran organization. So, um, but enough, everybody talks about the Clippers. So there's that, guys. Um, I want to talk about uh, the next subject here, but why don't we just take a break for a second? Okay, so at the end of last week's podcast, I kind of touched on mental health, um, and I talked about, you know, Derrick Rose's journey and and what happened with Markel Fultz, um, along with, like, talking about Andrew Luck a little bit and the mental health that, you know, these players have to deal with. Um, But then I I kind of admitted that, you know, I I don't know what kind of programs are actually available to the players in the NBA and and what's really being done to make sure that their mental health is in tip top shape. So I went ahead and did some research and I found a really solid article um, from CNBC of all places um, that talked about uh, what the league is planning on doing. So um, back in July, they actually announced that every single team would actually be required to have a mental health designated person. Uh, Let me find the exact words for it. So every team will be required to retain and make available to players on a voluntary basis one to two mental health professionals who are licensed in their field and locality and will with experience in assessing and treating clinical mental health issues. So this is huge, right? Like every single team is required to have at least one like medically professionally trained psychiatrist that the team can go to on a voluntary basis, which is huge. So just to give you guys kind of an idea, the, the league last year um, at the end of the, 2017-2018 season, uh, you know, with taking note, like Kevin Love was a big, like, proponent of mental health. He had mental health problems in 2017 that led to, like, performance anxiety, um, where, you know, he's literally having panic attacks in the middle of games that don't matter in the, in the regular season. So, um, huge issue for him. So he's kind of pushing all this and, and the league being, you know, the league it is, uh, definitely hurt him and then put into place some, you know, like wellness and health guidelines that the teams could follow. But this year they actually took it a step further by implementing, you know, that the teams are required to have these medical professionals. They're also now required to have a written action plan for mental health experiences, like detailing, like what they're going to do if someone has like a mental breakdown or a panic attack, which I think is awesome. And then they're also uh, had a, mandatory wellness like conference where all the league's GMs and managers got together in Chicago on September 12th and talked about, you know, what was happening around the league, what's going on and and how to make it better for these young men. Cause when you think about it, I mean, <laughs> like a lot of the outlets that we have as 
individuals are not really afforded to these celebrity players. And and I'm mostly talking about the, the bigger names, but for the most part, these players don't have anywhere to go or any outlets. I mean, whereas you and I would maybe just rip something on social media or fire off a tweet if we feel some type of way and not really have any backlash. I mean, they say anything. It, it's picked apart by media pundits. And then on top of that, they're under a huge amount of pressure to perform in these in these 48 minutes of a basketball game uh, where they're in and they're on the court. And, you know, we all have off days. But if somebody goes one of 28 from the field, they are berated for a few days, i.e. Kyrie Irving last year and his struggles with the Celtics. Now, I don't know personally Kyrie Irving's mental health situation, but, you know, that, that can't be good if if people are publicly doubting you and talking about you and you have no way to def- like defend yourself without getting picked apart even further it it really presents some some stress on on these young men that are 19 through you know 33 you know some would argue that they're still like <laughs> a majority of them are still like babies in the league like 19 20 21 and then us others are just like young young men you know that maybe don't have the thickest skin. So um, it's very cool to see the uh, these guidelines put in place by the NBA. I thought I thought that was huge and awesome and, and something that I could definitely share with you guys. Um, and then so one other thing that I wanted to, to talk about on this subject was that um, in comparison to other leagues, right? So um, in this article from CNBC, it, it didn't mention any programs that are available to like baseball players or NHL players. Um, and I did a little digging, but I couldn't really find anything either on the internet. If you do have something, please send it my way. Um, but it did make mention of the NFL. So the NFL Players Association actually saw what the NBA did a year ago and put into place its own mental health and wellness guidelines, similar to what happened at the end of the 2017-2018 season. So, you know, I think this speaks to who the NBA is on almost on a bigger scale. I mean, the NBA has always been kind of like a player centric league, allowing players to have a voice and, and, and stand up for certain issues, i.e., you know, LeBron's shut up and dribble or the Clippers protester and the Donald Sterling error. And I think that the league has been very responsive to players' wishes and, and, and thoughts about um, generating like, public conversation on, on these issues and mental health is definitely one of them. And now you can see that they're leading the charge in this um, like organization, sports organizations doing things about the mental health of the player. And I think that's awesome for the NBA. I think that, you know, they can take whatever the smoke that is thrown at them about the whole like China thing and, and bowing down for the purposes of money. And I get it. Like at the end of the day, it's all a business, but if you take a step aside and look at how the league treats its players and allows them to have a voice and, and puts programs in place like these wellness guidelines and these mandatory physicians and psychiatrists, um, you know, I, I think it's really awesome. And it's actually why I'm a big fan of the league and, and, and the sport itself, just because I, I do think it's, it's one of the most progressive 
sports that we have that are out there. I mean, you know, you look at the NFL, and I'm not going to talk too much about the NFL, but you guys know where I'm going with this. It's it's just not the same as far as player empowerment. Um, so, you know, that, that was what I found about mental health, guys. And uh, that actually um, is going to wrap it up for this week. I, I don't want to keep you guys too long. Um, we're still brand new in, in the season. Um, and that's all I had for you guys today. You know, if you like the podcast, share it with a friend, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow me at PJ Showcase on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you know, I, I'm putting out content every single day, um, on Instagram for that's basketball related. So if you see it, share a friend, like it, comment it. Um, and you know, I hope you guys have a great week. I'll be back in two Mondays to talk about, um, what I've seen come up in the league, give you an update on the rookie report and any changes to the East or Western conference standings as I see fit. Have a great weekend guys and talk to you soon.